1: When you build a charging station, it's like back in the day when my grandpa worked for the American Oil Company back in the turn of
2: the 1920s in, the in that area. They went from state to state convincing people that they put, they allowed them to put 20,000 gallons of gasoline under the ground. They didn't want them around.
3: Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most
1: progressive administrations
3: in American history.
2: God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat.
1: You'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve...
3: Welcome back to the neoliberal dumb take podcast brought to you today by ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's analytics people discovered half our listenership is HR people who are performatively liberal to reconcile the fact they fire people for a living. Thank you, ZipRecruiter. (laughs) of course dunks you had to do the dunking on the pod save bros i couldn't help myself i noticed um someone sent me um they had a episode Up this week that's sponsored by the New York Times. Oh, they've moved on for Zip Recruiter. So I had to get it in.
0: Oh, God, it's fantastic. I love that you've saved that for the perfect moment. Yeah. (laughs) Well, of course, this is not the neoliberal podcast This is the Ruthless Variety Program. It's the program. And we have a whale whale of a show. Absolute
2: banger of an episode. Who do you you have for the guest? First of all,
0: we have coach Tommy Tuberville. With us today. He's Let's a senator go. from the great state of Alabama. I'll be honest with you. We spent about at least half of it talking college football. And, I mean, the man is awesome. He's a, obviously a, a historic coach in college football ranks. But I asked him some really newsworthy stuff about player compensation and that kind of thing. And um, it I, I think it's I think it's really interesting stuff, actually.
2: Yeah, seriously. I, I'm not going to be surprised if I'm watching ESPN. I'll be like, and now, via the Ruthless podcast... I mean, it's newsworthy. Yeah. It's good stuff. No,
0: it is. It, it, it is really good. But uh, we got plenty of idiocy to cover.
3: We do. We do. As well. Be- before we get into that, though, I wanted to uh, to read a couple five-star reviews for oh, the Variety like Program.
0: Thank you, Michael.
3: Um, we've had a lot of good reviews. You know, listenership keeps going up. We really appreciate it. Keep spreading the word. Uh, this review, submitted by Santino0102. The title is, I Almost Got in a Car Accident. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes, be careful. Um, (laughs) So I was driving to work, starting my normal Thursday off, listening to the boys spin Calliopes. (laughs) This is parenthetical. Uh, This one's for Duncan. He knows how to read. (laughs) Smug, ask Duncan to look it up for you.
2: And I did. (laughs)
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Epic of... Uh, Dems in disarray, and when Smug started going on about the Otters becoming pack hunters and his willingness to sacrifice Lassie for his own survival, I laughed so hard I almost blacked out. (laughs) Mind you, I was doing 70 in the easy pass lane and almost ended up in the backseat of some guy's BMW. (laughs) Keep it up, boys and girls. When are you going to retire Dowd's jersey? And looks like Maximum Boot is ready to get called up from the farm team to take his shot at the title.
0: Oh,
2: That's a great review. It's a great review.
0: What a great review. We've got another one. Uh, Josh Dad MN. He says, uh, The program needs to be twice as long. It's the program needs to be twice as long and twice as often. Definitely my favorite podcast and the highlight of my week.
2: And that is not secretly you, Josh Dad Minnesota. It's not, but, but it very well could be. <laughs> it sounds like your burner.
0: Um, it's, seriously, it does sound like my burner. I, I try to put more distance than that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd imagine. So, a couple of things we got to get into. First of all, I know there's an awful lot of people who work in in corporate America who have basically been outside of the confines of their office space for the last year and a half, and they're now, for whatever reason, coming back. Right? They, I don't know why this is, because as we noted, ABC News today, there are more COVID deaths in 2021 than there was in 2020. That's right. right. So
2: even after being given multiple vaccines under Joe Biden, who promised he's going to shut down the virus, there have been more Americans who died from COVID under Joe Biden than when President Trump didn't even have vaccines. He handed them off to Biden, and and still we have this mess.
0: Incredible. But for whatever reason, uh, corporate America decided now is the time to bring people back. They should bring people back, by the way, but it makes no (laughs) sense from the scientific... Trust the science, right? Trust the science. That's right. Uh, so, But there's a lot of debate about what you wear, right? Because we, we exited, at least in the white-collar world, you exited uh, the office space in kind of a tie-and-suit-type atmosphere. Now everybody's been wearing sweatpants for a year and a half, so it's a big debate.
2: Yeah, so Reuters had this article where they said, Ties and high heels are out as hybrid office return sparks casual comfy boom. But you have you have strong takes on that. I'm 100% opposed to this. This is a terrible thing. Like you said, like, uh, if you have to go back into the office, seeing everyone in, in like, sweatpants and, like, this athleisure, athleisure is, uh, it should be for the gym. It's athletic clothing. You wear it in the gym, and that's it. You go home, you take a shower, you wear normal people's clothes. You go to work, you like wear grown normal. Like a grown-up. Yeah, yeah, you're an adult, you know. Y- even when you have kids, it's like, okay, these are your outside clothes. Right, go wash up, change your clothes.
0: What are you going to tell your kids now that you're wearing the same stuff to to work that you were wearing to the gym?
2: Like mommy's wearing yoga pants to work, at home, at the gym. Like, let's be serious. It's time to grow up, people.
0: In fairness, I think Smug would wear evening wear to the office if it was appropriate. (laughs) Yeah, full tux (laughs) with tails.
2: Black tie optional. Get rid of business (laughs) casual.
0: But it is a real problem, and people are trying to work through it. I mean, this all started, by the way, with the tech crowd.
2: Yeah, yeah. They first, you know... That's, I guess, part of – because it's so difficult for them to recruit. They're all fighting each other for the folks who can program computers. And so, like, yeah, you can show up in, in T-shirt and Program jeans, computers. Which is like okay. – I'd love Okay, to now
3: i got to come in and have some offense to that. <laughs> okay, first of all, as someone who spends the majority of their day behind a computer, I can tell you I do more there than program the computer. The computer kids, you yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, the people who put – in defense of the people who push the internet button, go casual, Okay. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, I, I, I'm happy
3: to have you around. If my email ever gets jammed up, oh. I know where to go. <laughs> hey, Duncan the routers on the Fritz. <laughs> but what do you yeah. think?
2: How uh, Are you Duncan? You, you think uh, you know? Let people wear their sweatpants and look like slobs all day? No, no, I,
3: I, I don't, because I do think psychologically there's a benefit, yeah. to like to the ritualistic part of like putting on clothes to get ready for the office. Like it puts you in the right frame of mind. If that that in and of itself alone, I mean, I don't. I don't really, I'm not like a stickler on this, but I think. You don't
0: strike me as a stickler. I haven't seen anything but a ball cap for the last
3: year. Well, yeah, right. (laughs) Right. But like, you know, I'm not exactly going to meetings. Half this town is emptied out. That's true. You know, so. You clean up nice though. Yeah.
2: Also, I think, you know, well, I remember uh, back in my finance days, what you wear signals so much. Like there's a hierarchy in the office. Like you know, you're not having an intern. You're not having one of the junior guys show up in cufflinks. That's like you know, vice presidents. That's managing directors and stuff, right? <laughs> and and like, uh, well, but
3: dress, dress for the job you want, not the job you
2: have. Exactly. Right? And and and, and uh, I remember one day I was in there. I, I think it was, it was. No, he wasn't an intern. It was just a new kid uh, who was wearing a tie, but his his collar had buttons. So he had the buttons buttoned down, which is ridiculous. <laughs> OK, like uh, that's 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 a button down.
3: It's a very specific a complaint. Sure.
2: All right. You don't wear a tie with that. Uh, and, and so one of the managing directors walks by with a letter opener and just like cuts the button. No! off his collar and he's like you're in the workplace. That's a sport shirt. <laughs> See, that's the kind of H.R. that I like. That's how it should be done. You, you have know? to
0: defend your office <laughs> principles like that. That's important stuff. I like that a lot. And if
2: everyone's in sweatpants, it's like, okay, well, who's running the show here? You know, we're all clowns.
0: Do you remember Vivek Ramaswamy? We had him on. That's right, yeah. And and he was telling, when he worked at Goldman, that they would have these guys that were all in, like, Armani suits, and then they would wear, like, really cheap uh
3: wrist watches so yeah. they could show that they were sort of down with the common folk
2: yep yep that's a tell that <laughs> that, that absolutely happens
3: look i'm all for it the, the last thing i will say here is the sort of mentality that is very stringent on these guidelines and wants you to be informalware aware at the office are the sort of people who demand a meeting for something that could be an email okay here we mm. go this is generational i feel <laughs> yeah this is generational <laughs>
2: I think you have to put it in when you're young. You know, you, you go to the office, you learn how things work, you learn how hierarchies work, you get ready in the morning, it puts you in a good frame of mind. You show up at work, you know, you got your shirt and tie, you're going to get stuff done. If you're showing up, okay, I got I, got I my that. sweatpants and flip-flops on. No, I, 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 get, get I get done today. I get Every office of space yeah. at
0: 5 o'clock should loosen your tie, unbutton yeah. the top yeah. collar, and have yourself a bourbon. Yep, yeah.
2: exactly. Now we're exactly. talking. That's
0: what I'm talking
2: about. Let's get back to that.
0: All right, so... Uh, one other thing we got to get to, because I just saw this. Actually, I think you flagged this smug, this New York Times article about uh, U.S. weapons and Afghan gun shops. Yeah.
2: I mean, so we're really seeing the Joe Biden effect is uh, not only did we have this disastrous withdrawal, which resulted directly because Joe Biden made it a mess and 13 service members being killed. Uh, but we saw all the like helicopters, Humvees, guns. I mean, like, you know, night vision goggles, everything like like you had Taliban walk around looking like Navy SEALs. Uh, but now in Afghanistan, U.S. weapons are being sold in gun shops.
0: Anybody else are surprised that they have
2: gun shops? That is kind of surprising.
0: I mean, not that they have. It just seems like guns are everywhere. When you got a guy that's like rolling the goat around the, the main street with a rocket launcher. A on strapped. His shoulder. Literally, yeah, the the guy, everyone's strapped already. Right.
2: I just figured that's the way it goes, but I don't know. I guess not. And that's like the Biden policy is like, uh, you know, you want weapons of war? Sure. They can be sold. We're going to leave them for terrorists to sell them in shops. But, uh, you know, you can't have a handgun in the U.S. It's incredible. It, It is these people,
0: these people. So we decided one of the things that we had to weigh into every once in a while, we'll pick a topic here that that needs some vegetable eating. Right. Because there is a mass movement to try to confuse people about what it's about. One of these things happened this week. Undoubtedly, you've heard about it. It was all over the news, pushed entirely by the corporate media Mm -hmm. because this is their business, right? And And I
2: think it's very important to say that, that this is about business. This is a business Nothing to do with principles. So
0: what we're talking about was a hearing on Capitol Hill this week with a quote unquote whistleblower who is complaining about algorithms at Facebook. Yeah. Right? And this whistleblower, if you listen to the mainstream news, they'll say that this, this heroic young woman who took it upon herself to sort of fight the evils inside tech, left tech to tell the world about all these <laughs> terrible things that they're doing. Right? Well, it turns out that's not that's not what's happening here. This woman uh, by the name of Frances Haugen... Uh, Before she testified, first of all, she's a a left-wing activist, right? That's important to note. Long, long record of activism contributions to not just like establishment Democrats. We're talking about like movement progressives, Mm -hmm. right? But all of this is coached up by a guy that she's hired named Bill Burton. Now, Bill Burton, you may remember his name as, I think he was the communications director for the Obama White House. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Since then, he's gotten involved with a bunch of tech folks uh, who are, after the 2016 election, were so hurt that Hillary Clinton won that they basically... They lost. She, didn't win, that right. she didn't win. That
3: she didn't win. That she didn't win. That,
0: that yeah. She didn't want, yeah, that she didn't win. That, that they wanted to make it their life's mission to destroy the conservative speech that brought Donald Trump to power. That's it. Right? Right. So there's a group called Center for Humane Technology. It's funded... <laughs> It's funded, I mean, perfect name, name right? Name. Funded by a guy named Chris Hughes and Roger McNamee. They're big Democratic fundraisers. Bill Borton's on the board of this. And and what their central mission is, is to change content policies that favor corporate media right. over individual voices or alternative media, right? right? They hate things like Ruthless. Right. They hate things like what they want is to basically make the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC the
3: only purveyors of information in this country. Not the just the only purveyors on you know television or on their websites. They want to also control the social media spaces that exist. That's right? the thing is like
2: th- this is all interconnected. All the, C, the all the attacks we're seeing right now on on conservatives. This is, all, this is a piece of the cog where they say, oh, you know, we're the Center for Humane Technology. We want to make sure that uh, uh, disinformation, like Hunter Biden's laptop, <laughs> don't, can't get out there. They don't give you know? a shit about disinformation. And, and then you hear about how, like, parents are rising up and being like, why is my school board teaching this neo-racism, like, garbage? And now they're, they're moved, uh, you know, groups like this are moving the hand of the government to be like, oh, oh, those parents are domestic terrorists. Like, this is all part of the same push to silence conservatives completely.
0: Yeah. So, so let me connect a few of the dots here, right? Center for Humane Technologies board member is Bill Burton,
2: right? And and, and again, he's one of these Obama people who just, as soon as they leave the Obama White House, they want to check it, uh, uh, cash in. They want to get some checks from the tech people. <laughs> right. Even though he was an absolute moron. <laughs> well, he also
0: teamed up with Steve Schmidt and the Lincoln Project and all of this sort of anti-Republican stuff in general, right? It's not just just the tech stuff, but this is really where he specializes, So, he also works for Francis Haugen. Oh. Weird, right? Here's the third layer. He also is an advisor to Amy Klobuchar. Wait, wait, wasn't she there? So, Amy Klobuchar is the number one Democratic activist within the Senate pushing for regulation
3: of content policies. Weird how how that works. works.
0: Weird. Yeah, and then
3: suddenly this whistleblower has a new Twitter account. Um, that gets verified immediately right before she goes and testifies on Capitol Hill. And strange
0: how that happens so fast.
3: John John Ashbrook, our colleague, and I recommend following him on Twitter, tweeted out a screenshot of it that Twitter was actually promoting her account in accounts to follow. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Weird. Weird how that
0: happens. So this lady comes into Capitol Hill to talk about all of these algorithms that she says— basically destroy children and, and destroy everything else. And it's the content that's the problem, yada, yada, yada. Here's where it gets to the hearing. I don't throw a lot of stones internally. I always don't take the bait. I, I think, you know, by and large, Republicans, we're doing our best. We're, we, I'm very pleased with Republicans on Capitol Hill in terms of pressing against the Biden agenda and everything right now. They did a horrible job at this hearing yesterday. Mm-hmm. A horrible job. They took... This woman, as if she was a good faith actor, right, and allowed her unquestioned, basically, to spread misinformation that is entirely designed to shut off conservative voices in, in
3: purveying any information in this country. That's right, right. It's th- this entire whistleblower process is a Trojan horse to silence conservative voices. Bingo, and it's the media in this democratic dark money universe. Yep. That is the undercurrent behind all of this because they know two things. Number one, conservatives do better online. Yep. Right? The big three broadcast channels, cable news, the you know, corporate media that they control can set us aside. That's right. And 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 the narr- and they can set the narrative. Our only way of breaking through that narrative is with the internet. Yep. Right? And so if they can try to Trojan horse um, this whistleblower into the United States Senate and convince these Republican senators, oh, actually, Facebook's the problem, then they're going to have us do their work for them. And,
2: and That's al- right. And along those lines, like I said, it's important to point out this is about business. This, these people have no Market principles. share. Exactly. So, like, when you see NBC News and and, and CBS have their, like, uh, disinformation reporters, uh, and, and and their job is basically to try to gin up people being mad, being like, here are today's 10 most viewed Facebook posts. They are all conservatives. And you're supposed to be horrified at this?
3: Like, you would think it would get them to change their job. It's like, maybe maybe I'm the one who's wrong, like, as a journalist or as a corporate media entity, that maybe I'm not sharing enough stories that the American people care about or enough viewpoints that the American people have. But, of course, their answer to it is, actually, that's bad and we need to shut it
2: down. Bingo. <laughs> like, you know? NBC News, like, all, this, all, all the left-wing corporate media is basically like, oh, conservatives are, are getting the most viewed posts, we should attack Facebook. Make sure they're not heard.
3: These people are the most undemocratic people they are. in our politics. They
2: are.
0: 100% are. Totally. And it, And this is why I was so upset about
3: what Senate Republicans did
0: at this hearing yesterday is because, first of all, if you ever have a congressional hearing where the Sunday before is previewed by 60 minutes, hold on to your wallet. Hold on to your wallet. Because whatever that is... It is entirely designed by a left-wing ecosystem and a corporate media to try to purvey its own sense of misinformation about whatever's to come.
2: Total setup.
0: Right? So they put this woman on. I I just knew it was going to be a huge problem because they said one of the clips that they highlighted from the package was her saying she worked for this election integrity misinformation part of Facebook and it was shut down after the election. Right? And she claims that that's the reason why January 6th happened. Oh god. I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like right. that 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 was that's her entire <laughs> framework for why she's in this discussion. Now, she goes on to say all of these things about Instagram and child safety and research issues, but it's worth pointing out at no point did she ever work at Instagram or Facebook on any of those
3: issues. Right. No, and, and, and here's the thing is like, if we're going to have a national discussion about the impact of technology or media on our kids, I'm I'm open to yeah, having totally that ha- conversation. Absolutely. absolutely. And as a parent, like I have a vested interest in that, you know, I would say be a parent, number one. Yeah. And that maybe we shouldn't make, you know, all the problems of our kids, the fault of, the, the media federal that government consume and, and, and have the, the government get involved. But like, you know, you want to talk about the influence, um, you know, Instagram has on young girls. I'm on the New York Times style section right now. They got a model up here that is probably 75 pounds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. But Like we don't have a conversation about that or what People Magazine has done for the last 25 exactly. years. No, it's Facebook and Instagram that are the problem. Right. It's incredible. And, and, in, and in that listener, dear listener, you're seeing the sleight of hand that they're doing here. Right. This is what they've done for a generation to us. And now they want to say, oh, no, it's actually Facebook. That's the problem. Not me. The corporate media that's profited from all of this, all of this. They made the most money. Now they're seeing their market share go down and social media's market share goes up and they rely on social media to give them the referral traffic so they can sell ads on the New York Times style section. Save democracy while you can.
2: And that's exactly it. That's like. The New York Times is not attacking Facebook out of principle. They're attacking them as a business move. It's a
0: business move. And here, the thing, it comes from friendly sources, too. It's not just, you know, the liberal. Anybody who has an established footprint in the corporate media culture, and that includes friends of ours and people who are, are, in my view, more right than they're wrong. It's a business decision here. Mm -hmm. This is nothing to do with the concern for misinformation, mind you. The New York Times, the CBS's, ABC, NBC, as they're telling you these grave concerns for misinformation also lead their newscast with Senate Republicans defaulting on their loans.
2: Right. 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 Horse
3: horse whips at the border. Absolute bullshit. Bullshit.
0: Like that is misinformation. It's wrong. It's flat
2: wrong. And I think the greatest example of this is how they want to exert their dying influence on the Internet is is the Hunter Biden laptop situation where they demanded Twitter, oh, you need to stop anyone from hearing this and Twitter bent the knee, right? Yep. And then what I'm also reminded of is, is like a year ago, there was that hearing uh, about tech where they had like uh, the CEO of Microsoft and and all the big CEOs and, and Zuckerberg was there too. And then uh, they were asked, they're like, do you see China as, as a threat to the US? And all these CEOs were like, nope, nope, nope. And Zuckerberg said, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was the only one because the rest of these tech people, they've they've made their business decision. They have no loyalty to to, to the U.S. They see business in 20 years is going to be China. They've already given up right? That's why you're seeing the same thing here. It's not about truth. It's not about principles. These people are all after the money. It's why the New York Times is trying to shut this down. It's why you, know, you see these like, dystopia, disinformation reporters being hired. These are just blogging kids in Brooklyn that they're like, all right, we need you to gin up outrage that Ben Shapiro had the most viewed post on Facebook. Here, here's,
3: some, here's some advice to our Republican colleagues on Capitol Hill, because we've had now five years since um, the Facebook broke democracy and elected Donald Trump narrative got started. We have never called anybody from the advertising side of any of these corporate New York media Times, entities,
0: Washington Post. Yes. all of them talk, need to
3: come up. Talk there. to their their growth people. Talk to their marketing people and ask them what data they use to target their ads and what content they use to do it too. Right, 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 right. right. Like, I don't know people who are interested in a nice, like softball uh, profile of Hillary Clinton. Did you run any of those before the twenty sixteen election? And what data did you use? Is that a violation of people's privacy? It, it, was, it should be an FEC violation, Yeah, is what it should be. But we've never had that conversation. Nope,
0: nope. And, and, I'm, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. We need, we need to get the senators and congressmen on Capitol Hill to wake up because the left is trying to literally turn off the microphone to every conservative outlet in America. And if you don't start understanding this... And if you don't start pushing back and playing some offense, let alone good defense, we're going to be in a world of trouble.
2: And, And this is also, I think, was really important to point out. So the Daily Wire had this article saying, Facebook whistleblower is a leftist activist represented by the lawyer for the whistleblower behind the trump impeachment like it all comes back to this there like, it is it's, it's the same clowns involved it says uh her lawyers are now seeking to raise fifty thousand on gofundme because they know i mean this is their business this kind of bs hustling and it says those lawyers are whistleblower aid a group founded by mark Zaid, who previously represented the national security official who alleged donald trump inappropriately pressed the ukrainian president like all this disinformation is coming from within the house you know <laughs> yeah it's the same clowns pushing their disinformation and trying to exert control that way.
0: It's it's anyway, I'm glad we covered it. We're going to stay on this honestly, because you can't get it wrong. We can't get it wrong. And there are too few. I was actually really impressed yesterday, just in conservative Twitter, how many conservative outlets immediately got it Mm -hmm. right. The guys at the daily wire were all over it. I mean, there, there was, there was a lot of pushback, but somehow that's not permeated into Capitol Hill and that needs to change.
2: And even, even, uh, uh, Left-leaning, Glenn Greenwald had this amazing take on Twitter. He said, real whistleblowers end up prosecuted, imprisoned, sued, ruined, and vilified by elite D.C. sectors and their corporate media outlets. They don't have the red carpet rolled out for them with a Netflix-ready script crafted by a top Obama operative, complete with TV star turns. Like, (laughs) nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Important to see things clearly on this one, for sure. Um, All right, Dunks, let's
3: transition out of this. You want to talk about some animals? I do want to talk about some animals. Um, we've had a lot of animal segments.
0: about We, have. we about enjoy them.
3: Animal fighting. Uh, what sort of animals you could fight. S- scenarios in which you would maybe give up a dog to the otters yeah. and so that you could run away. I found a nice story from the uh, from the archive that was that has been, you know, going around social media recently and. Um, and it's just too good of a story to ignore. Because today we're going to talk not about animal fighting, but love. Animal love. Oh. We're talking about love. I'm a little alarmed
0: about where this is going.
3: We're talking about the story of Walnut the Crane. Walnut the Crane was raised, and this is a quote from the article, that Walnut, <laughs> Walnut the Crane was basically um, you know, raised in an environment where... Uh, she imprinted on on the humans that were helping breed them because apparently you know she's you know it's endangered this was a captive crane captive crane um and in that imprinting process started to not see herself as a crane wow but as a human
0: (laughs) it's like a disney cartoon
3: (laughs) yes um, the direct quote here is Walnut was born in a species recovery breeding program in the 1980s. The program had crane chicks hand raised by human volunteers. And at that time, they did not fully understand the measures necessary to make sure that the chicks did not imprint on humans and reta- re- retain their identity as cranes. So the problem here is that she, they tried to mate Walnut the crane <laughs> with various male cranes. Those cranes died. What, Wal- and Walnut took them out? It's a possibility that Walnut actually took them out. Not recognizing that herself, that she is a crane. <laughs> okay. Walnut the crane fell in love with her zookeeper. <laughs> Wal- Walnut the crane fell in love with her male zookeeper. Now, you got to understand, this is an endangered crane, right? right? The breeding is extremely important. Yeah, that's a, like that's Walnut the crane has to have babies, Yeah, has to lay some eggs. Right. Walnut the crane began a mating dance with her zookeeper. Oh, no. Now he could have ran away. He chose to reciprocate that dance. What? Because their thinking was, oh, well, it's a tragic mistake. You know, we could, you know, artificially inseminate Walnut, you know, and oh, and man. have the babies that way. And so uh, the, the the zookeeper's name is, is Chris Crow. Jesus, um, oh, this, this can't, can't get any better. <laughs> the Smithsonian. This is at the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute. This is another quote. Chris realized that if he reciprocated the mating dance, it might be possible to artificially inseminate Walnut with her participation and consent. The process normally involves restraining the bird.
0: <laughs> Wait. So he's he's got there's a consensual. It's consent. It, What's well, important? That it's an act of love. <laughs> and it worked. No, what?
3: They did, inseminated wait, Walnut. Please don't tell me Chris Crow did it. <laughs> I don't know if he actually did it.
2: No, but it's got to be they had the like uh, the uh, male crane materials. Yeah, well, yeah, right. Yeah, but n- not
3: not literally him. He was ar- artificially inseminated with, with other crane.
2: See, I don't think that's consent. Yeah, yeah. That's the old switcheroo right here. That's the old switcheroo.
3: That's the old switcheroo. The old switcheroo. Walnut got duped. This is another direct quote. Chris and Walnut have had five children (laughs) who were raised by other crane couples at the facility, sometimes the biological dad and his mate, both because it's unclear whether Walnut would accept the chicks as her own and because Chris (laughs) is not equipped to be a crane dad.
2: (laughs) See, this is so twisted, they should have let her die in the first place.
3: (laughs) It gets even more twisted. No, no, no. It gets even more twisted. It can't be worse. The Institute provides her with artificial eggs to sit on and Chris takes his turn looking after them. No, this would not work with real eggs because he can't sit on them properly. but Walnut seems to feel that he is on the job <laughs> if he just stands over them.
0: <laughs> so 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 let me get this straight. She dance Walnut makes the dance. Yes,
3: the mating dance with Chris. Chris. Reciprocates the dance. I'm imagining sort of a shuffling back and forth and like arms your up, arms, arms it, it's up. It's kind of
2: for- like that story with the you guys remember with the turkey baster. Remember that one? <laughs> oh, so, so 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 he, he pulls out a turkey baster. Crow's got the baster, I'm
0: hoping the crow has the baster. <laughs> so lights go off. Baster comes in.
3: Yeah, yeah. Bird is restrained. Insemination <laughs> happens. Congratulations, Chris. You're a crane dad. But- <laughs> <laughs> that just incredible
2: so horrific
3: yeah that's a real commitment to the job it's a commitment to the job it's a and those cranes can live a long time anyway it was it was banging around on the internet last night it's um a really hilarious story and i thought it would be a nice change of pace from our n- normal animal fighting
0: yeah it's an act of love, act of love. consensual love more importantly commitment to the job it really is man what chris crow hats off pal yeah Oh, man. All right. Let's try to get back on track. Um, So, big news this week with the Attorney General Merrick Garland. uh,
2: You know, they need to leave this guy alone. Just let him rest in peace. Rest in
0: peace. Um, He uh, made some news when he instructed the FBI to mobilize against parents who oppose critical race theory in public schools. Did you all see this? Yes. It's insanity. Complete madness. So... Apparently, the problem is now the parents that are rejecting this complete perversion of education upon their kids. And so the Biden administration is rapidly repurposing federal law enforcement to target political opposition.
2: And I mean, it it goes back to imagine, imagine if if Trump had tried using the Department of Justice as a political arm. That's what this is. That's 100 percent what this is. And it's almost like, man, in hindsight, I wish Trump was guilty of all the things they accused him of. Like, I wish he'd used the, the, the Department of Justice. Obama did.
3: Obama did, absolutely. Yeah, targeted conservatives through the IRS, all that stuff. And but they're so,
2: trying to do it again. I mean, this is unbelievable. Trying to classify school parents as domestic terrorists.
0: So, yeah, so here, here's ties back to our previous segment on disinformation. They want to reclassify dissent uh-huh. as disinformation. And domestic terrorism justifying an unprecedented intervention uh, into these school boards.
3: Yeah, you show up at a school board and you're a domestic terrorist. If you use Facebook to like a Ben Shapiro post, you're spreading disinformation. I mean, this is this is
0: that's what's that's what this is all about, guys. Right. It's control. That's what this is all about. So now that they've got the whistleblower on Capitol Hill, they've got tech by the balls. Yep. They, they've got tech by the balls and saying, you know what, now we see anybody who's talking about critical race theory
3: as spreading disinformation, do something about or because it. Because where do you think all these parents are organizing? They're That's organizing right. Right. online. They start Facebook groups of parents of, you know, Loudoun County, for example. Right. It's, it, it's a, a really good example of this. These parents have gotten extremely organized. But you know what has also happened? Um, a lot of these teachers union. Thugs have been trying to intimidate them and get them kicked off and all of this sort of stuff. All of this is related. Yep. It's all related. It's all related. And it's all ridiculous.
2: Um, and, 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 and the statistic just came out that, like, uh, homicides in this country are hitting a record level. Yeah, this is And, and right. Meanwhile, we've got our uh, you know Department of Justice are looking for domestic terrorists with Lego sets and, and parents at school board meetings.
0: Yeah. Good yeah. use of resources, guys. Meanwhile, we we talked about how Fauci canceled Christmas last episode. Mm-hmm. Now the CDC says that Thanksgiving recommendations are coming.
2: Completely ridiculous. This is real. I mean, these people. I, I,
0: they want a virtual Thanksgiving. Not happening. Nope. Not happening. No. Not happening. No, thanks. And we're going to give you new advice Yeah, this yeah, year. I gonna, can't wait. I, I, absolutely. One of my favorite programs of all time was our <laughs> thanks. Thanksgiving <Exactly>. episode. <laughs> I think we'll have a different twist on it. Same message. Yeah put a different twist on it just just for the cdc
2: i mean you know honestly i i support the cdc putting out this recommendations because i think sane people will be like uh okay my let's say my entire family's vaccinated yes i'm going to go have a meal with them but meanwhile you're gonna have the libs being like oh my god triple masked on zoom i'm sitting alone we're all having the tofurkey. Don't tell
3: them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would love for it to be easier to get a nice Turkey. Don't tell them.
0: Yeah, you know? keep,
2: keep the airport half empty because they're all at home having tofurkey on Zoom.
3: We'll have the
0: choice of all of the nicest fixins <laughs> while they sit home.
2: And no one on my table is allowed if they're on Zoom. That laptop's getting closed. Oh, yeah. goodbye. It. No, you, you pick show it up or you don't. It's you your pick choice. It up. You whip
0: it against the floor. Oh,
2: this episode, we, we're we going to save the content for this episode. <laughs> this is going to be a good one.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, I want a generic ballot update. Quinnipiac, by the way, came out with a poll. This is hardly a Republican outlet that showed that Republicans have a generic ballot lead 46 to 43. I don't have to tell you because we've talked about this endlessly on the program. Mm-hmm. If Republicans ever lead in a generic ballot in a country that includes California and New York, uh, fellas, we are off
3: to the races. Katie, bar the door. Katie, your, bar the door. Your
2: favorite saying. Katie, bar the door. It's coming. Mike, <laughs> we told you red wave is on the way. Another thing we told you, I'm going to get into this real quick. Uh, European gas prices have surged 40%. Dutch and UK gas futures have jumped 60% in just two days. 60% in just two days. So, you know, Green New Deal, build back better. This is what's going to happen, and it's going to be coming here, too. This winter, expect to pay a ton more for energy with Biden shutting down our pipelines and giving Putin.
0: Oh,
3: man. Next November can't come soon enough. I know.
2: All right. Let's lighten
3: it up and play a game. Let's do it. Let's play King of the Hill.
0: King of the Hill! Yes. I cannot wait for King of the is So this is... This is I, all of the online traffic and Twitter traffic about the King of the Hill games just makes my week.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: I, I just love how into it everybody is. Especially at T-Rec, T-E-A-R-E-C. I want to remember him. He breaks everything down statistically. Yeah,
3: the sabermetrics of King of the Hill. The guy's incredible. Amazing. The
0: guy is incredible. The breakdown is... Honestly, it's one of my favorite reads Every week. He it, should have a publishing contract
3: for the, that. The guy has not only, you know, got the statistics side of it. He's now worked into sort of a game theory of the game. You know, how you play your takes, the success rate, depending on if right. you hold something It's good like
2: beyond for anything two. 538's done. It's this incredible. Guy has, this guy's got a handle this on it. This guy
3: needs to be employed in this industry.
0: I think he should have a regular column. It's yeah. incredible. It's awesome. All right, should we should we do it?
3: Let's go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please.
0: It's time for King of the Hill in
3: the red corner, fighting out of the Clinton News Network. Our challenger, the old side switcher, Amanda. In the blue corner, hiding out of Pierre-Omer
0: checkbook and reigning champion of
3: the world, neocon Felson, Bill Christon.
0: Oh, gosh, I just, I love it. And Carpenter makes
2: her way back to the program. Yep, and, and i I want to make something clear, folks. You know, I, I I don't think I could influence the you know, judge and jury with this, but Oh, you're pre you're- Crystal was on a tear people were tagging me and tweet I mean, he's on fire. Absolute fire. I'll be the first to admit this is gonna be a tough battle, guys. Well it's gonna be a very tough battle. He has brought some special sauce yeah. this week. I mean he might be on the sauce. He was just on fire. Fantastic. I, a- I
0: can't wait. As our reigning champion. Yes. Um I'm going to go first. And here it is. Okay. Bill Crystal. Uh this is October third, ten twenty one A.M., bright and early, bushy tailed and everything else. <laughs> An idea for Senator Schumer. Bring up the bill to suspend the debt ceiling a few times over the next two weeks. <laughs> if all Republicans still vote against it, Biden explains <laughs> on a prime time T V address. The scale of GOP recklessness and irresponsibility, and then Dems break the filibuster over this issue. Yes, there it is. Ah, yes. Oh,
3: I knew yes. it was coming. <laughs> oh, you knew he had to play it first. <laughs> it's a perfect
0: West Winger. Is <laughs> <laughs> if a primetime address by that stuttering idiot would do a damn thing. <laughs>
2: Oh, Oh, man. man. Smug. All right, so this is from Amanda Carpenter, 8 a.m., October 5th. This is a a quote retweeting discussing Stephanie Grisham, who has that book out. Amanda Carpenter says, Anyone who worked in any kind of communications associated with Trump ever had to lie. It was a minimum qualification. they all want to take it back now. Just go away. Just get out of our lives, please, now.
1: Save democracy while you can. Call your senator
2: now. I mean, what's amazing to me is like these people who essentially make their money off of being anti Trump after Trump has been gone almost a year now. Right. They're like, oh no, Trump, go away. We we need all the Trump news and everything to be gone, please. Yeah. Right. No one talks about Trump. No one talks about any of that as much as these folks. Like, they need it in their lives. Like, CNN, what are they going to talk about without Trump? Their oh. ratings have, like, completely gone to hell. Yeah. What I
3: love about that that addition to the soundboard, the Save Democracy, for our <laughs> listeners who don't remember, that was from uh, an incredible, just brainwormed <laughs> ad for H.R. 1 the Democrats put out with Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry. Yeah. Insanity. <laughs> we, we did a breakdown of it on the YouTube. Uh, if you get a chance, go on you over there. Check to Check that yeah. out. So, I mean, it's not a fair fight. That's not a fair. Fight. It's not a fair fight. Round one goes to Holmes and Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I'm not surprised to hear that. Uh, but
0: I am gonna, I'm gonna vary what I come up next with here because I, I honestly, dude, I've got, I have nukes in the cannon. Yeah, here. yeah. So, Smug, what do you got for round two?
2: I thought you were gonna drop it going to be like, oh, okay, fine. Go no, 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 no. All right, uh, this is this is kind of a Duncan play here. Okay, uh, October fourth, Amanda Carpenter. Facebook isn't down. You're all being canceled. Parentheses, JK. What? <laughs> like, I can't even say if that's boomer or what. JK, probably because you know your followers are so brainwormed, listening to your takes that they'd be like, "How am I being canceled? I'm not being canceled. Are you being anti-democracy?" She's like, JK. <laughs> That's,
0: she's an idiot.
2: <laughs> That's all I can say to that. He's an idiot.
0: But but here's the thing. I'm going to do this in two. I'm going to do this in two. Wow. Um, the backdrop to this tweet is Bill Crystal, for those of you who don't know, rolled himself out as a Republican for Terry McAuliffe. You remember this? Right? Yeah. So, And they did like a Washington Post thing on it. And it was like supposed to move people, right? Like there's a single Republican drawing breath in Virginia who gives a shit what Bill (laughs) Kristol has to say about anything, right? But they've made this a thing. And he's sort of fashioned himself as this big like campaign movement guy here. Dude, he was like at the debate. He was like in in the spin room backstage. Yeah, so he's like putting out his ads and stuff like that. So last week, McAuliffe's campaign starts to spiral, right? Yeah. They start doing the Mitt Romney thing on him. Right. One of the Mitt Romney th- hits that they had on him was that, that apparently Carlisle at some point uh,
3: acquired Taylor Swift's songs. God, I saw this, dude. There was so much cringe content on, on the internet <laughs> last night.
0: And they were pushing that as if it's some kind of like a terrible thing. Huge. Right? <laughs> right? So Bill Crystal takes the opportunity to tweet, much like he did last week, a variation of a song by Taylor Swift. Oh, my God. Are you serious? The song, the song is called Dear John
2: oh my God.
0: by Taylor Swift. Here's Bill Crystal's rendition. Dear Glenn, you change the rules every day wondering which version of you I might get on the phone. Tonight, well, I stopped picking up, and this song is to let you know why. Dear Glenn, I see it all now that you're gone.
3: That is the weirdest Good shit. Night. Good night. That is the weirdest shit. Oh, <laughs> the fact that you tweet that with a straight face is so amazing. <laughs> How old is Bill Crystal? He's is like a he hundred. He's like, oh, he's in his seventies, right? He's real old. He's real old.
0: I, I just can't. I can't. He's thrown in with Taylor Swift songs to try to attack Glenn Youngkin.
3: He's a sixty-eight-year-old man. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and here's the thing: Smug, very wisely, played some abuse of the internet.
2: Yeah. Yep. That. I mean, that was that's a,
3: a real abuse of the that, internet. That's the way to do
2: it. He had to. I had to appeal 100% Judge and jury.
3: This might be one of the few scenarios where it can't overcome what was produced. It
2: just can't.
3: That's a knockout for Bill <laughs> Creston. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's a mercy killing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I
0: knew it the moment I started with this week. I looked at like the first couple of tweets and I was like, oh, dear Lord. Oh dear lord. You should see the stuff that got left on the cutting room floor. The man has no shame. No, it's truly it's remarkable stuff. Um all right, let's get right into our interview. Guys, Tommy Tuberville was a incredible college football coach. He was coach of the year back. I think it was 04 where he went 14 and 0 with the Auburn Tigers. He this is a storied college football coach. And so I wanted to know a bunch of college football stuff. Yeah. I think you'll love this interview. I want to welcome to the program a great guy, uh, somebody we've been interested in having on for some time. But here amidst the football season, it makes more sense than ever. Coach, Tommy Talberville, how are you, sir?
1: Good morning. I'm doing great, Josh.
0: Listen, I, we got a lot of good stuff to cover here, but we got to start with football, right? I mean, for, for those in our audience who are unfamiliar with your work, you're a renowned coach. You won Coach of the Year back in, I think it was '04 with auburn when you went undefeated that season coach number of teams i mean listen you're as you're as famous a college football guy as it gets uh how's the college football season going
1: you know it's going a lot better than it did last year you know last no year I several games and you might have had ten thousand people in a hundred thousand seat stadium uh, at least we got to play the season uh you know COVID has done a lot of bad things to our country but uh we fought through it, uh, and especially in the SEC, where I'm more familiar. And uh, we ended up with conference championships. We ended up with a national championship. Of course, everybody knows Alabama. They win it about every year. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, we're back, I think, to to really enjoying the one thing that that most people enjoy is tailgating. See, That's last right. year there was, there was no tailgating. And so it's gotten people more back involved in college football. and around campus and I think that's what's important
0: yeah no I agree it's a religion down in the SEC I'm a I'm a big 10 guy myself born and raised and so I I uh you know it's a big deal there too but you got to appreciate a good SEC tailgate
1: right you know big 10 obviously they beat uh the Auburn Tigers a couple of weeks ago in Penn State that was a that was a heck of a game I've coached in that stadium before I've coached in a whiteout you know one thing that I go back and remember that game I'm I'm warming up in the end zone with my linebackers. I was coaching at Miami at the time and the students were throwing marshmallows at us <laughs> and the entire, in the entire end zone was covered with marshmallows and, and a lot of my players were picking up, eating them. I said, you guys going to get sick. I mean, yeah, it's, you it's,
0: never know what they got that dipped in, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the truth. But they, you know, college football everywhere is, is really a lot of fun. They just have their own traditions and, uh, I've been fortunate to have coached in, in most of the big arenas across the country and, and uh, felt a lot of, you know, learned a lot about traditions.
0: Yeah, well, you're, you're most famous for your days at Auburn, but you also coached the Cincinnati Bearcats, which last weekend had a big win over the Domers. I mean, that looks like a pretty tough team to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was uh, it. kind of, you know, Cincinnati has been good for a long time. You, you go yeah. back, you look at the years uh, of, of Brian Kelly when he was there. Uh, and winning right. a lot of games and, and almost made the college football playoff. Now this year, uh, they've got a, a pretty good opportunity maybe to make the playoffs because they, their schedule is not as tough as it goes along. But beating Notre Dame was huge for the Bearcats and uh, uh, looking forward, hopefully they can get in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. One uh, intersection of policy and uh, and college football that I wanted to ask you about because I'm I'm intrigued almost every time I – Run into a major college coach of any kind and want to ask the question about the player compensation and how that's beginning to sort of change the game. What's your take on its impact and does it complicate things for coaching?
1: Yeah, it's going to. uh, You know, kind of, I tell people, cat's kind of out of the bag. You know, once you get out, you can't do it. Right. The Commerce Committee here. And uh, the one thing that we want to make sure we do is it's always about the students first and it's about education. Uh, I was always, as a coach, for getting every dime that we could get for all players because they have two full-time jobs. The only time in their life they'll ever have two full-time jobs. Going to school is, for most students, is a full-time job. And then you play football, and, man, does it take time. You know, you're (laughs) there early, uh, you stay late, you lift weights, you watch film. And so – but this deal about the NIL, about making money off your name, if it worked out for everybody, where everybody could partake in that, it would be different. But, you know, you, you're going to have kids that's going to make millions of dollars, and then you're going to have somebody that's going to play on the offensive line that's not going to make any. And right. so I think the Commerce Committee has to make sure when they're setting these guidelines that they're getting involved. And I hate for the federal government to get involved with college football because you know what federal government does. Oh, yeah. It proves yeah. everything. Up. But uh, I, I think that if they just make it even for everybody in every state, uh, everybody's got to be the same, because if you have a different avenue for different states then you're going to have problems, uh, you, you know, with, with people having a, an advantage. And so if we can make it the same for everybody, uh, I'm afraid what you're going to have is you're going to have the IRS getting ready to come out after a lot of these kids because mm-hmm. of how much money that they're making. Uh, and then they're going to pay taxes on their, on their, uh, uh scholarship. I think that's the big thing.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that can complicate the hell out of everything. No question about it. I mean, you look at, you know, for example, Deion Sanders going to coach at Jackson State, right? And, and, you know, a school not renowned for its football, a historically black college that has been, you know, sort of off the college football radar. All of a sudden, he's got this online show. You've got all kinds of sponsors coming in. You've got players, you know, that probably weren't even recruited to D1 schools that are all of a sudden now kind of in that compensation discussion. And so it, it may put an onus on coaches at some level to be like a uh, recruiter, not only of college athletes, but of sponsorships.
1: Well, you're exactly right. And as a coach, we always fought to keep agents and lawyers out of the players business right. because, because they cost money. And then at the end of the day, uh, it's going to create problems, but now they're in. And so again, the cat's out of the bag, Hopefully, we can get it all evened out where everybody's got the same opportunities. But uh, we're not just talking about football now. We're talking about That's basketball, right. golf, and all the Olympic sports. So, there's a lot of, a lot of adjustments got to happen if we're going to make this thing right.
0: Yep. Yep. No, no question about it. Before I get off football, any predictions on Auburn, uh, Georgia this weekend?
1: You know, I've watched Georgia, and they probably got uh, one of the top two or three teams in the country. Uh, their defense is really good. And Auburn's struggling right now. Their quarterback really played great last week at LSU. So yeah. if he can make a big play out of a bad play because they're going to be chasing him all over the field, then they've got a chance. But uh, it's, it's all about the quarterback with Auburn right now. Uh, their running game is really not strong. And, and hopefully they can control the ball and, and uh, get a lead at home. At home, uh, this the home team is, uh, uh, is an advantage, but not you'd think that. But in the Georgia-Auburn game, it's the road team that usually has the advantage. I don't know why they've done that, but it's the longest-running rivalry in the South.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, everybody travels pretty well in the South, but uh, but that's going to be a good one to watch. I appreciate you weighing in on it. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk some senatoring here for a minute. You've um, you're about nine months in to your tenure here in the United States Senate. What are your thoughts on the place?
1: Well, it's uh, it's a little different. Uh, you know, one thing about it is, and right off the bat, the Democrats are trying to bankrupt the country. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, we've, 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 I've sat there and watched them and voted against a $1.9 trillion supposedly care package, which was gone out and a lot of the money hadn't even been spent, but they just spend money to be spent and now they're looking at 3.5 trillion, you know, it's just, their agenda is reckless and it's lawless and, you know, we, we've got to get a handle on this, but, uh, elections have consequences.
0: Yeah, they certainly do, and uh, and we've been feeling that here for the last nine months in in spades. Um, I want to pick up on one issue that you have actually introduced legislation on, as it relates to what Democrats are trying to uh, to do, and that's I- prohibiting the the IRS from basically implementing all of these reporting requirements. Right, we we saw this bizarre effort to try to track transactions that cumulatively. Come up to six hundred bucks, and basically inserting the IRS and all your Venmo or PayPal or any kind of transaction whatsoever, you've got legislation that would stop that.
1: Yeah, our legislation is the Protecting Financial Privacy Act, and uh, you know Biden wants the IRS and all of our business. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's Big Brother government at its worst. So they're weaponizing the IRS. They want to hire thousands of new agents, and I tell you what the concerns are. Number one's privacy, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and all of it, $600, that's even if you put money in the bank, they want to know, it. not just if you're spending it. So it, whether it's going in or coming out, the economic uh, impact of it is of the credit unions and the banks in the small and rural communities, the minority communities where they can't handle their overhead to put all these people in there to go by all these new IRS rules. So they're going to, banks are the center point of a lot of these communities. And then of course, the, the history of the IRS is, is awful. Uh, we all remember, oh, yeah. uh, we remember the, uh, just this past year, they've released tax returns on, uh, Republicans, Christians, uh, refuse to give uh, Christian, uh, foundation, uh, you know, tax exemption in, in Texas. I mean, it it is a democratic system. That they want to weaponize to use against all Americans.
0: Well, you hit the nail on the head. This is this has been a long time coming for for Democrats. Every single time they have control over the federal government, they use the IRS as a weapon, right? And you you what mentioned did the
1: lowest. What does it remind you of? Gestapo. I mean, if they want information, if if they're after you because of what you said or what you've done, or uh, you know somebody that they need to to really keep an eye on, they're just going to stick the IRS on. It. And uh, it, to me, it's, it's, it's communist uh, Russia, uh, USSR.
0: I can't think of any worse idea than, than making the IRS bigger than it already is. I mean, I really can't.
1: Look at this, though. Look at the pattern. They hate the military uh, because it's not woken up, but they're trying to change it to that point. They hate the borders. Uh, crime in the cities, hey, just let them, let them run wild. But they want to have the IRS. Uh, it is, this has become a lawless country, but the one place they do want law is where they can keep an eye on people that doesn't believe what they believe.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's really, it's, it's something. You know, when you talk, I mean, you're trying to get to know people, right? Nine months in, and both conferences at this point, the Senate Republicans and Senate Democrats you know, they kind of do their own thing. It's a time of, of a lot of partisanship, but as you've gotten to know some of these guys, I mean, do you think that Democrats really think this kind of thing makes sense or they just kind of go along with it?
1: You know, that's one thing that has concerned me since I've been here. As you said, you know, I'm a recruiter right now. Uh, right, right. <laughs> uh, I'm recruiting, uh, you know, people from the uh, from the Democratic Party to believe in a little bit about it. not what Republicans believe, but just believe in the country. Uh, you know, just believe in and uh, and quit taxing everybody to death. And uh, it, it's it's just absolutely amazing what's going on. But uh every day i t- try to talk to manchin and cinnamon and, and and some of the moderates and uh you know that's what i'm trying to do to to but i'm also listening and learning you know i i sat down with McConnell a lot i sat down with uh uh, uh shelby uh, senator shelby from my home state we talk all the time uh but uh you know the far left is running us they're running yeah. us hard and uh you know it's this debt limit uh Hey, you got the votes, go ahead and pass it. Why are you looking at it? You hadn't asked us to help any, any other time since I've been here, you know, anything that you've asked, you know, it's just absolutely amazing. Now they want us to jump in there and and be part of this, this crime scene, so to speak.
0: Yeah. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Right. I mean, it's, it's, they decided on in January after the Biden inauguration that they were going to govern entirely with the slimmest of majorities, right? No Republican input on anything. They slammed through trillions of dollars of spending. They, get working on trillions more. And then, you know, three months ago, McConnell says, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to raise a debt ceiling on your own. And they do nothing, literally nothing, but argue amongst themselves for 90 days. And then they come back to you all and they're like, hey, help us do this. I mean, are you kidding me?
1: It's, two months ago, we signed a letter. 40, 46 of us signed it. There were a few of them not, not here because of certain situations. That's right. Yeah. We told them we're not going to vote for it, but you got the, you, you've got an avenue to do it. You know, you passed all this other stuff, go ahead and use the tools uh, that are disposal to you and let's get this over with, and, but no, they wanna, they're they not going to do it unless the Republicans vote, vote with them. So it's an interesting uh, process, but the Democrats are in disarray now. They've got several factions on their side and they're trying to juggle juggle all these factions and it's not working, and uh this is the first time we've really seen it because they've been on board with everything else now they're kind of fracturing out and uh but you saw it coming and and the, the far left group that you know is uh you know you know where they stand,
0: oh yeah, yeah, no, it's as dangerous as it can get, but coach, we need your mcdonald's all American recruiting to go into cinema and mansions office, maybe get them to put on a different jersey. What do you think
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd tell you what, but you know what? there's got to be more than those two. I keep, waiting right. for, I keep waiting for more of them to come and say, no, th- you know, we can't do this. I mean, this is, we can't start all these new programs. We can't afford them because, but it looks like now that they're getting ready to say, okay, we'll just cut it down to 1.5 or two tree and go ahead and start these same programs temporarily. Well, you know what that is.
0: Yeah. You, you start, never turn it off.
1: Yeah. You know, you start a temporary program, you can't, you can't get rid of it. So that'll probably be their next ploy.
0: Yeah, there ain't nothing temporary about federal government programs. <laughs> no, no. So the other thing that I've seen you dive in on, which is, is really impressive from my standpoint, is this monoclonal antibody treatments. And I, I know you all have been dealing with an awful lot of, of COVID throughout the South, but only because that's the natural wave of COVID, right? It happens in the South and then it spreads into the North. Now it's in the North and nobody wants to talk about it, right? It, now that it's not a Republican problem, it's it's no longer a problem. Uh, but either way, you jumped in with both feet on the treatment side. Uh, tell yeah. us about your thoughts there.
1: Well, monoclonal antibodies are the number one therapeutic that we have right now. They yeah. work. Okay, if you get it, you get it. You you take the antibodies and and it really helps. But I've been getting calls from doctors all over Alabama, all over, and this is not about red or blue states. This is about life and death. And they cut our antibodies 25, 30% last month just because they said we was using too many. Wait a minute. Uh, it, it, you know it doesn't make any it, sense at all. Saved lives. And, you know, we started, we started the, the TREAT Act, uh, which uh, basically says, listen, you can't, uh, you can't negotiate this. Ever, if you, we need antibodies, you got to send them. You know, they've lost, they have had two contracts of antibodies back in April uh, and the HHS secretary and uh, I don't know who asked, they they canceled they the, the antibodies treatments to be made and now they're begging to get them made. And, but we've got enough of them, but uh, it, it looks like a red and blue state deal here now uh, because there's seven or eight states that are not getting the amount of antibodies that they need. But no, uh, we, we got to get standard. the When it comes to health care, government needs to get the hell out of the way be honest. And uh, all they're doing is getting in the way they're trying to control every, every narrative in the country right now.
0: No, I know question about it. that's a scandal, right? I mean, the fact that the federal government is throttling uh, monoclonal antibody treatments to certain States. I mean, you gotta be kidding me.
1: Yeah. And w- we had a teacher last week in Alabama that wrote me a letter said, Hey, we're in school. I want to teach, but I got COVID. I went to get the antibodies and they said, we can't give it to you. We don't have it. And so uh, it, it, it's a shame. Now, she she got real sick, but she made it through it. But if we're going to get back to work and get back to school, they better start pumping these antibodies out and quit delegating where they're going to go and just give them to the people that need it.
0: Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Are you surprised in your first year about just sort of the, you know, there's, there's this like cartoon character of a liberal, right, that plays out nationwide but then you get to the place and you find out you got at least 48 of them and, that you're working with in south. are you surprised at at the commitment the dogmatic commitment to socialized america
1: yeah well you know we're fighting for our future generations right yeah. and I'm, i've looked at the nominees that they put through our committees uh, you wouldn't believe some of them and yeah. then you know just look at the things going on behind the scene look at who's in the white house look look at you got people that are working in this country. John Kerry is not an elected official and he's out there like he's Secretary of State. The right. animals, what's happening is the animals are running the zoo. I mean, it just, it's, it's amazing to me that how we've got a president and an administration that's open borders, lawlessness, defund the police, uh, worst, worst. Military decision ever made in Afghanistan. No question. I mean, there's nothing to even come close to it, and they're trying to sweep it underneath the rug as fast as they possibly can. And then we're going to mandate. We're going to get away from the Constitution and start mandating what people put in their bodies. It's uh, we we've lost it. He, he's he, he's weak, and he doesn't have any leadership. And I don't know where direction we're going. We've only been in this administration nine months. But we better get some kind of leadership out of that White House and get all these people out of the way and let one person run it. And hopefully they'll, they'll come to a realization that this country right now, we're, we're in, in, in quicksand and we're sinking fast.
0: No, no question about it. The best thing that we can do over the medium term, obviously the short term, is to try to beat back all these things that you're working on in the Senate right now medium term is win some elections coach i i I can't think of a better thing to have you out on the stump for some of our candidates here in 2022 you got any plans
1: oh yeah no i I haven't called me from all over the country other senate candidates and of course i've talked to Herschel walker down in uh you know i need a running back up here i I was just gonna
2: say you need a
1: running running back back. and he'd (laughs) be a good one i tell you he'd be a real good one but you know uh I, I campaigned for two years, Josh, and and I was out there because I've seen it because I've actually had a job. A lot of these people have not. I've actually worked in the schools and the businesses and talked to parents. Uh, and my number one thing, people say, Coach, why are you doing this? And I'd look at them, I'd say, listen, I'm running because our country is in trouble. We don't know it, but we're fixing to find out. And look where we've come to. Uh, we've got to get back to Christian conservative values. Uh, and... You know, it's, it's just amazing to me how we've got such a great country, but we've got a group in the White House, Biden in the White House, is trying to divide this country. There's no doubt, no doubt about it. They're trying to divide the country, and they're doing a pretty good job of it. But sooner or later, we'll come back and, uh, uh, you know, uh, like you said, campaigning for some of these um, men and women to, to win next year. I, I, don't, I think we've got a great opportunity to take this country back next November.
0: Yeah. Your lips to God's ears. No question about it. All right, coach, I got three big questions for you that everybody on Ruthless wants to know. All right. First question is your last meal on earth. What would it be?
1: Oh, there's no doubt. Fried catfish, baked (laughs) potato and hush puppies with cold slaw on the side. I owned a catfish restaurant one time called Tubby's Catfish. And uh, yeah, I love catfish. You know, I'm a, my wife doesn't let me eat a lot of fried foods anymore, but, uh, uh i when i when i when i'm out on my own i'll i'm eating at every cracker barrel in the south so i they always have good fried catfish
0: <laughs> i love it southern man through and through all right so let's uh i'm going to broaden the aperture on this question it's usually if you didn't get into politics what would you be doing with your life but i think i, I if you didn't have this interest right this is taking up your time obviously you've dedicated the last two years and you know, the next five to, to be in, politics. But if you weren't doing this side of public service, what do you think you'd be up to?
1: One of the reasons I ran Josh was because I never served in the military. My dad was a hero. Uh, he, he earned uh, five bronze stars and a purple heart. In World war two. My brother was in the military. I never served because I barely missed Vietnam. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, I I've been thinking about it forever. But what can I do to help? And so this is my, uh, military service so to speak of giving back to our country helping the people of this country we live in such a great country uh, I, I wanted to help but i saw how how we were declining and and i i think this i, I think going in the military would have been what i had done had I'd not done politics come or coaching us when i came out
0: yeah yeah well that's great that's that's certainly service through and through all right third question uh and i'm fascinated to hear your answer on this what motivates you more coach the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat.
1: Well, I, I tell you, you probably heard this before, but as a coach, you always learn more from losing because you went back and you looked at every little thing that you did, good and bad, and how could we have changed it? You know, to to have been better and won the game. Uh, so uh, I think I always got motivated. I mean, I didn't sleep. Uh, I didn't sleep when we won games because you're so excited, but uh, when you lost games, you sure didn't sleep. You got to work the, earlier the next morning, uh, even if you sometimes you didn't go to bed. And then you were adamant that we were not going to make the same mistakes that we made in that game.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised at all to hear that answer out of you. That That sounds perfectly everything I know about you. That seems like it fits absolutely perfectly. Listen, Coach, uh, we want to stay in touch. You're, you're an excellent public servant. We're really happy to have you, and we love to co- talk some football from time to time. So thank you for joining us. hope we can do it
1: again soon. All right, Josh. Thank you. Good to see you. Yeah.
0: So easily the most newsmaking piece of this, and by the way, the stuff that he was talking about from the official capacity as a senator, also super impressive. We've talked about the $600 IRS move that right. Democrats are trying, and he's kind of leading the charge to try to stop that. Like, that stuff's great. The thing that just blew my mind from a newsmaking standpoint is that he is seriously considering as being a part of the commerce committee, uh, trying to figure out a way to even the playing field for college athletes now that they're able to be compensated. Right. Because his fear is that some program programs like the one that he ran in Auburn, obviously the Alabamas and the sec will be the exclusive benefactor of, of corporate sponsorships because they have the huge TV contracts right. the national championships and right. everything else. He thinks that leaves a whole lot, lot of other schools and this is not just football, this is all sports, remember, unable to compete for athletes. Yeah. Uh and and he wants to do something about it, which Look, that's a big that's big news, man. I don't even know if I agree with his take entirely. He knows a hell of a lot more than I do about it, but um but that's sure to be a controversial deal within the athletic
3: World, Well, so S- <clears throat> Sabin, you know, has said on on the transfer portal thing, which is like a whole nother dynamic here that you have as well. Um, you know, his concern with all of this is like the rich get richer, the poor get poor. And like that guy, he would be the richer. Yeah. <laughs> right. And if he's he, if he's, you know, ringing the bell on this. It's not just, you know, Tommy Tuberville, former coach. It's You know, current coaches are concerned about this sort of inequity, yeah. inequity too. He's so, right
0: on about that. I, I don't yeah. know that the solutions are easy, but but count him in for trying to, to do something about it. just a whale of a guy. I do, yeah. enjoyed the whole discussion. I hope we can do more. I'd love to sit down and watch some games and have some beers with him, too. That's right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, so another banger of an episode, gentlemen, if I must say so myself. Uh, sad I'm taking another Allen King of the Hill, but hey, Crystal, I mean, he deserved that win. Uh, so until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.